0: We've got some people coming forward. They're going to read Scripture for us in a minute. But before they do that, I want to help us remember where we are in the Exodus story. Exodus is one of those stories that plays with your emotions. You feel for the Israelites when you realize that they've been enslaved for over 400 years in an increasingly brutal environment. You realize they have neurotic pharaohs to deal with, people who will kill, try to kill firstborn sons and then do their best to kill all the Israelites when that doesn't work so that they can uh, try to keep control. You get inspired when you realize Moses is is faithful or, or motivated enough to go and stare down the Pharaoh and then you're distressed by the Pharaoh's stubbornness. How could he allow one plague, much less ten plagues, his own sons and daughters to be killed. The Israelites escape, finally. And as they go, they're cornered by the Egyptian army. No. Then God parts the sea. They can get through it. Yes. Only that means the Israelites watch as the Egyptians die in the water. Finally, the Israelites make their way to the other side of the Red Sea. They're freed and and then they're looking ahead to all sorts of land and all sorts of promise. And and they they now know that they don't know what they're doing. They're in a position, in in a place that no one has ever been before. There's no how-to When you've just come out of 400 years of slavery, when you've just crossed into a new land, and everything is new to every single person. So you get to the end of chapter 14 in the Exodus story, this chapter about the parting of the sea, and you hear this verse Israel saw the great work of the Lord and what God did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. And you turn the page and you get to chapter 15 and Israel is singing God's praises for having delivered them out of Egypt having gotten them in the direction of the promised land and at the end of that chapter this people who do not know what they're doing and how they're doing they they find themselves thirsty. And they come to water but it's bitter water you can't drink it and And God tells Moses, this is how you fix the water, how you make it drinkable. And and Moses does it and they can drink. And you can feel the the confidence in the Israelites growing in Moses' leadership and in God's provision. And you think this is going to go well. And that's when this happens.
1: The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them,
0: If only we had died by hand. When we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger.
1: Then the Lord said to Moses,
0: I am going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather on other days.
1: In the evening you shall know what the Lord brought in the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see. to the whole congregation of the Israelites, draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaint. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said,
0: I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God.
1: In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine, flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. It is the bread that
0: the Lord has given you to eat. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So in case you didn't catch it, Tyner was Moses. Thank you, Tyner. (laughs) Running back and forth. We, from the earliest part of what they read, uh, started to realize how things were coming undone. How quickly things had changed from from trusting and growing confidence in God to to despairing, doubting what might actually be able to happen. We watched Exodus be read and saw Moses trying to mediate between God and the Israelites back and forth, trying to, to understand what God would have them do and be and, and communicate to the Israelites in a way that they could hear it and follow it and do it and trust those fickle Israelites who were happy and felt good about God and what God was doing just a chapter before and now weren't sure how this thing would go. They, they turned their ire on Moses and Aaron and you start to realize actually who they're complaining against. Moses tells them they're complaining against God. Their, their complaint is with God who brought them out of slavery, who parted a sea for them, who turned bitter water into sweet water, who led them to an oasis. It was better when we were enslaved, they say. A way of saying, if we were going to die out here anyway, we might as well have lived in slavery. A way of saying, what good is my birthright if I'm going to starve to death anyway? Remember that story? When Jacob swindled Esau out of his birthright for some stew and some bread. I've had good bread in my life. Some delicious bread. Bread in Italy. It was wonderful bread. I've never had any bread that I'd be willing to sell my inheritance over or give up my God for. Of course, I've never wondered when my next meal would come. I've always had daily bread available to me usually far too much and far too easily. It's not the case for a good portion of the world. Not today, not then. When you don't know when your next meal will come, if your next meal will come, your perspective changes. It's harder to take the long view when you don't know how long you have. What does an inheritance matter to someone who is about to die? And to... Take it from the opposite end. When you have come this close to dying, things matter differently. I was with a couple this week who were telling me about his current situation, but they tell it in the context of his last 21 years and five months. Actually, they could tell you the number of days in those 21 years and five months since he had a kidney transplant. Every single day of those 21 years and five months, they have given thanks that he is alive. They've given thanks for his son who gave him a kidney. They've given thanks that they have had 21 years and five months more to share life together. Every day has been a gift to them. They remember, which gives them a perspective on everything else. In general, people are prone to forget. That's why the Scriptures tell us over and over, remember, reminds us of this very story, the Exodus story, over and over, chapters, books, deep into the Scriptures, years, hundreds of years into the Scriptures. We're hearing again about that same Exodus story because we're prone to forget. We forget blessings, we forget provisions, we forget the good. Sometimes we forget the past, the bad. The Israelites' recent history was their worst. They had suffered miserably as slaves, and yet now that they were freed and things had changed and things were new and unfamiliar and and clearly out of their control, they misremembered their past. Had it really been so bad after all? At least then they had food. At least then their children had food. Maybe it was better back in Egypt. Sometimes our present memory, our present experiences, change our memory of the past. And sometimes our biggest challenge is to trust the future. It's often... A right remembering of the past that gives us confidence for the future. When we remember who this God has been, then it helps us to know who this God is and how this God will be. The critique of Israel is not that they complained about being hungry. It's that they forgot in a matter of days who supplied their need who had continually provided for them. They were not yet convinced that the wilderness was no match for God. Those of us who have seen some of these wildernesses over there in that part of the world realize we are no match for it. It's dry, rocky, hot, and lifeless. Which makes it all the more remarkable that in some places... A tree will grow, or a flower will grow, or there's a whole section, an oasis of life. There are places in Israel that get less than two inches of rainfall per year, and yet trees are growing in those very spots. When we were there recently, our guide Louis said to us several times, where there is water, there can be life. A good thing to remember on a baptism Sunday. In the Exodus story, we see God turn bad water into good, bring life out of a rock, make quail easy to catch, morning dew to reveal bread. God giving extraordinary gifts an extraordinary time. I say extraordinary because the gift of manna ends. Manna is not the word for daily bread, any kind of bread. It's not that we have bread, we have manna. Manna is the name for mysterious bread. The kind that appears when no other bread is available. When you can't grow what you need to make bread. When there's no one around you to provide bread for you, that's when manna appears. At the end of chapter 16, we learn that the Israelites ate manna for 40 years until... They come to a habitable land. In Joshua, we find that when the Israelites arrived in the promised land, the manna ceased on the day that they ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They didn't need manna, they had regular bread. Manna was always meant to be an extraordinary gift for a temporary time. It was the way that God would see the Israelites through those worst days of the wilderness. But most days in their story, most days in our story, we haven't needed manna. And therefore, we haven't been given manna. We've been given rain and sun and soil. We've been given people who can grow wheat and and cut it down and grind it up and and make it into dough. And people who add yeast and bake it and deliver it so we can get it. That's how we've gotten our bread. That's how God has provided for us. What I'm trying to say to us is that God is always providing for us, sometimes in extraordinary means by by making some fine flaky substance in the ground turn into something you can eat, but a lot of times by making sure that we have some bread or some cookies or whatever is over there to give us what we need for that day, that God takes care of us in the wilderness and God takes care of us in the promised land. And for that matter, God was with us when we were enslaved, That, that God heard our cries for freedom and And responded. The good news is that God is with us. Whether we're enslaved or wandering in the wilderness or into the promised land, God is with us. People in Texas, in Florida, Puerto Rico, throughout the Caribbean. They're in a wilderness right now that they did not could not prepare for And somehow God will give them the manna they need through that. People in Mexico pulling rubble away to see what's left will be given some kind of extraordinary bread to see them through these days. People in the hospital right now. People who are grieving right now. People who are in the wilderness of broken relationships right now will receive an extraordinary gift of manna to see them through these days, the gift of bread that they couldn't otherwise provide for themselves. You may be in one of those wilderness situations and manna will appear, or you may be in a time of life when it's more like the promised land and you have bread that you can share. Whether you're wandering in the wilderness or in a more normal setting in the promised land, God is giving you what you need. And if you're one of those blessed folk with the ability to help contribute to some regular bread... And God may use you to give the others what they need. I think whatever our situation, whether it's wilderness or whether it's promised land, we have reason to give God thanks for the manna or the regular bread. Let's do so now.